anything good is worth the battle. Very few things come super easy. I try to tell my kids, people aren't born to be a great basketball player or a track star, but they practice at it. They shoot baskets after baskets after baskets. They throw pitches after pitches after pitches. I played college baseball, and so I use baseball as an example for them a lot. I wasn't born being able to do that necessarily, but I practiced and my dad encouraged me to practice and I continued to practice. And so for entrepreneurs or people who are trying to start something up, just know that things are going to be difficult. Um, you may have a struggle at the beginning. You may, um, you may feel like you're back in school or back in college where you're eating ramen and, and struggling. <laughs> but if you truly have a passion for this, and, uh, and you help other people understand why they need whatever you're doing, then eventually you can, you can be successful at anything. All right. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Monetize Your Mindset podcast. This is where we talk about creating financial security by monetizing what we know or do. Today, we're talking with Dr. Brandon Mitchell, and him and his partner have a new form of doctor or a new form of doctor's office, I guess I should say. We will hear more about Dr. Brandon Mitchell here in a second, but you know what we got to do first? All right, here we go. Roll it. Are you prepared for what happens when what happens happens? Life happens when you least expect it. Create financial security. Monetize what you already know. Welcome to Monetize Your Mindset. Monetize Your Mindset. Identify your ideal side hustle so that you have the resources to deal with whatever happens when what happens happens. It's time to monetize your mindset. Here's your host, Bart Merrill. All right. Like I said, we have Dr. Brandon Mitchell with us today, and it's going to be a great podcast. We're talking about medical doctors. That's what Dr. Dr. Brandon Mitchell is. And it's perfect because I have to apologize, of course, first that I didn't get an episode out last week because I found myself in the hospital. And you'll hear more about that story as we go throughout the pro podcast. But I thought it fitting that I bring a doctor onto the show since I'm just getting out of the hospital. I preach about being prepared for what happens when what happens happens. And let me tell you, I wasn't prepared. I had to cancel two of my podcast interviews, so I didn't have a podcast recorded to put up last week. So I was not prepared. And I tell you, when the hospital bills come rolling in and I have to pay that max out of pocket, I might have another heart attack and end up in the hospital as well. All right. So up today, we got Brandon Mitchell and we are Dr. Brandon Mitchell. Sorry. And I think we're just going to get right into the podcast today. I want you to know about TaxBot, but you hear me every week talk about TaxBot. If you are an entrepreneur, side hustler, side business person, you want TaxBot to help you out. If you want to learn more about TaxBot, go to my website, bartmerrill.com, click on the resource page, scroll down to TaxBot, and click learn more. That's all I'm going to say about that right now. Let's get to the show with Dr. Brandon. All right. Welcome, Dr. Mitchell, to the program today. This is the Monetize Your Mindset podcast. Thanks for joining us today. No, thanks for having me. So, Dr. Mitchell, I want you to start out by just introducing yourself to our audience. And I, I guess I kind of thought it was a good idea to have you on today since I just got out of the hospital the other day. 
and had my new, I have my hospital adventure stories that I can throw into the podcast today. So I figure let's get a doctor on. <laughs> Absolutely. As if you haven't spent enough time with us lately. That's right. Hey, so tell us where you come from, what, how you got your start and, you know, tell us just a little bit of your background. Sure. Um, I'm Dr. Brandon Mitchell. I'm a board certified uh, family medicine physician. I recently just moved here to Utah from uh, from Tillamook, Oregon. Uh, so if any of you have had the Tillamook cheese or ice cream, uh, that's the small dairy town uh, where I practiced uh, for about 11 years. And wow. uh, so just, just recently uh, moved here to um, American Fork and uh, um, have uh, started uh, my practice at uh, Voyage Direct Primary Care. Uh, we are a uh, subscription-based uh, medical model where we provide um, what we consider white glove uh, family medicine or primary care um, on a subscription-based model. We we don't uh, deal with insurance companies or anything like that because we want the relationship to be between you and your doctor. Uh, so that's uh, that's what I'm doing here. I, I've been married uh, happily for over 20 years. I have uh, two boys, a 15-year-old and a 12-year-old uh, who... Um, they they really are part of the main reason that we moved here to Utah um, because they weren't able to go to school in in Oregon and in, uh, in in real school uh, other than uh, online school and um, I'm just uh, really excited about being able to be here. Awesome. So, where did you get your background? How did you start out? Sure. Well, I uh, um, my my mom always had uh, severe migraine headaches. And, uh, and a lot of back problems. And, uh, and so um, wanting to be able to help take care of her and figure things out for her, I, I went to, I did my undergraduate education at Azusa Pacific University and then went to uh, chiropractic school um, at Los Angeles College of Chiropractic, which is now uh, the Southern California University of Health Sciences. So, uh, so I went through my undergraduate training really, uh, really quite quickly. And I was the youngest uh, student in chiropractic school. And, uh, and, but after that, I knew that I didn't want to practice um, or live the rest of my life in Southern California. Um, and so, uh, so I moved up to Southern Oregon. Once I flew in there, I fell in love with the place. There's trees instead of concrete. Yeah. And, uh, it was just absolutely beautiful. And uh, I practiced uh, there for about three years as a chiropractic doctor and uh, just, just really loved it. But every day I would get several phone calls. Uh, my receptionist would write down another message asking, you know, can Dr. Mitchell be my primary care doctor? Um, can he manage my diabetes and my high blood pressure and, and my medications and things like that? And uh, we had to tell them no. And, and they went on to explain that there just weren't any doctors mm -hmm. accepting any new patients in the area. And uh, that's something that I wasn't used to. You know, in Southern California, it seems like there's a doctor on every corner. And uh, and it seemed like to me, at least when I was young, that there was plenty of availability. Um, but uh, but I'd never really seen the underserved nature of of healthcare like that. And uh, after getting those phone calls for a few years, my wife and I talked about it, and um, we decided that hey, I'm still young enough to go back to medical school and add that to my um, to my resume. And uh, and so uh, so that's what I did. Awesome. Yeah, that, it, you know, I remember back in when I was a kid, we had Dr. Baxter. And now I did grow up in a small town. So it's kind of like the, well, I mean, smaller than Mayberry. <laughs> <laughs> but I just remember we would go see Dr. Baxter. 
And it was a very, you know, it was an intimate type of client patient relationship to where he's who we saw. We pretty much knew his nurse. And, you know, now it's, I do have a primary care physician, but there's no relationship like that used to be. That's right. Um, and, and that's exactly what uh, myself and my colleague, Dr. Sanders, we want medicine to get back to that relationship-based care. We want people to be able to, to know their doctor, um, to know that that's the person that they're going to go see when they go in instead of just whoever random person is available. Uh, we want people, people to be able to be seen on, you know, on, a, on, a, on a basis that they need, you know, whether it's the same day or next day or sometime soon versus, hey, we can get you in in a couple of weeks or a few months or, uh, or something like that. And, uh, and that's really why we've put together this practice that, that focuses on bringing healthcare back to, to that old model, to that personal model of healthcare. Gotcha. So did, when you were growing up, did you have a, a role model when it came to entrepreneurship? Because being, starting off as a chiropractor, that's not really, that's not really a job. It's you're the entrepreneur, you're opening the office, you're pretty much taking care of things. Am I correct? Yeah, that's, that's right. You know, most, uh, most chiropractic offices are, are either one, one doctor or maybe at most a couple of doctors, you know, there are usually aren't huge clinics of, uh, of chiropractors. You know, my, uh, my, my mom, she worked at a dental office for most of my youth and uh, my dad worked in computers. And, uh, and so neither of them were business starters or anything like that, but I always leaned more towards the, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it myself and I'm going to do it the way that I like to have it done. So. Awesome. And and so where do you think that came from? Um, well, it must've been God given because I can't, <laughs> as I look around, um, uh, uh, I don't, I don't know um, where that came from in me. I was always just really driven. And I said, mom, I'm going to help you take care of this. And Fortunately, I was given those kind of skills to, to be able to do that. Okay. So what kind of stuff can you cover in your, you and your partner cover in your practice? Yeah. So, uh, so as we're both uh, board certified family medicine physicians, so um, basically uh, family medicine doctors take care of, you know, 80 to 90% of, of most um, outpatient health problems. Uh, whether it's colds and flus, cholesterol, diabetes, we really like to focus on prevention of problems before they become a problem. So uh, we really focus on uh, nutrition and lifestyle uh, to uh, to try to optimize people's health so that uh, their medical problems are less. Um, you know, we'd love for you not to need us. Um, that that would be great. In our model of care, we we don't. Uh, we don't benefit by having you come in again over and over, uh, things like that. Uh, so uh, sprains, strains, sports injuries, fracture care. Um, we can uh, we we do a lot of dermatology. We um, take off skin lesions, send them for a biopsy, uh, things like that. And uh, what most people are really surprised to hear is that uh, all of those services are included. Um, it's, uh, we're not one of these type of things where once we get you in, we're like, well, that's an extra fee and there's an extra fee. One of the reasons people don't like going to the doctor is because they don't know how much they're going to have to pay once they get out of there. Um, I'm sure, Bart, you're going to be pretty surprised to see how much your hospital visit costs once you get that bill. But they weren't able to tell you um, how much it was going to cost before you, uh, before you stayed there. 
And, uh, and so one, one price handles uh, most everything that we do. Um, outside services sometimes cost. So if we do a, a biopsy of a piece of tissue um, and we have to send it, of course, uh, those, those doctors who assess the, the sample or whatever, they may charge a fee, but we've pre-negotiated lower rates on those services as well. Right. Yeah. I, while I was in the ICU, I, there was test after test after test that was coming in. I'm sure my bills are going to be quite lengthy. And I, I know my max out of pocket when it comes to my insurance, and I'm sure that'll be eaten completely up and then some. So <laughs> I'll Absolutely. probably have to come to you for a heart attack when I get that bill. It's uh, it's all about that, that transparency. Um, and uh, we're really pro transparency of costs. You know, if we do have to order something that, uh, that we can't do in the office, you know, we're going to tell you exactly how much it's going to cost. So, you know, we really truly believe that you're the master of your own ship. And, uh, in, and so we present it to you as a consultant, so to speak. And, uh, and you can say, how important is this? And I can say, it really is very important. And you can say, all right, well, I'm going to pay the money or this can wait. And, uh, and so, uh, or my finances are not such that I can do that right now, but um, then we, hopefully we try to help you find the best deal. So. And I guess in an emergency situation like mine was, they don't really ask you whether you want it or not. They just do it for you. Yeah. But, in, uh, in emergency care, that's uh, kind of what they need to do. Yeah. If uh, you had to sit around and say, well, is that blood thinner worth it or not? Um, you know, it may be <laughs> yeah. And so to enlighten my listeners that don't know. So last Thursday I was getting dressed, simply getting dressed. Everything was fine. I was putting on my pants. And when I leaned up from putting on my pants, I went from breathing normally to not being able to catch my breath at all for, I probably, it was two minutes before I was able to calm myself down. And I, I literally had to talk myself down because I was in a panic mode. You know, what do I do? I I sat down, I laid down, I stood up, I bent over, trying to just get the air to come back in my body. And it was just wouldn't come. And finally, I was just, okay, relax, don't panic, relax, take as much breath as you can. Got my breathing back to normal. And me growing up in the cowboy atmosphere, I'm kind of the rough and tough cowboy mindset. I was like, well, maybe I should get a doctor's appointment. <laughs> I called the doctor. He couldn't see me till Monday. So I scheduled the doctor's appointment for Monday. This was on a Thursday, by the way. And then I was sitting there and my body just was shaking. I, I went in and I, I took my blood pressure. My blood pressure was 161 over 98 which is significantly high for me, I thought, well, maybe I need to go see the urgent care. And so I checked the urgent care website and the wait was only like 15 minutes. I was like, okay, hopped in my truck, drove to urgent care, walked in. <laughs> this is a funny part. There's this young receptionist and I'm like, she's like, why are you here? And I was like, uh, shortness of breath. I just had an episode this morning. Oh, we can't see you because that's COVID things. You can't come in here. She's like, get away, you know? And the older lady says, the older lady that was sitting next to her, you need to listen to what he's saying because he's talking about something that's probably heart problems. You need to get a nurse to triage him really quick right now. Anyway, they said they couldn't take care of me. They sent me to the hospital. I drove, I drove myself from the urgent care to the hospital. The hospital did the CT. They found 
blood clot in my chest where the where the veins split off to go to the lung sitting right there on that point they call it a saddle embolism needless to say i was in the icu for a little over 24 hours spent another night in the hospital in a regular room i basically from what i understand almost died or i could have died very easily and so yes. that is a long story for what I went through and why we're talking about me and emergency room stuff. They did a lot of stuff. They put a, they put a filter on my vein in my vein where it comes up just below where the embolism is. Cause I have more blood clots in my leg that could break loose and wake up or work their way up to my lungs, heart, whatever. And that was another interesting story in itself. <laughs> but Anyway, so your care would not take care of that. You're, you would still send me to the hospital for something like that, correct? Yeah, so, um, so we, don't, um, we don't do hospital medicine anymore. Um, we let the, uh, the emergency room doctors and the hospitalist doctors address those things. However, your entry into that area would have been a lot different with our practice. Uh, you would have my cell phone number and you would call up and say, hey, Dr. Mitchell, I'm having something major go wrong, going wrong with me. I have shortness of breath and things like that. And, uh, um, and I would have been able to talk to you right there on the phone. Um, we also do uh, video visits if it's appropriate. Um, and uh, and for, for some things, we even do uh, house calls. And so we can even, you know, go by the house and see what's going on with you. Um, so it's just, it's just a total different way of, uh, of thinking of it. You know, you wouldn't have had to, to worry about, okay, I'm going to call my doctor's office and he can get me in after the weekend's done, um, things like that. We, we would have been able to direct you to the emergency department right there on the spot. Um, and if anything was questionable, we could have done a, a video visit with you and, you know, tried to help figure things out. Um, but uh, it's, it's that, that personal relationship with the doctor that's the different part. It's, uh, it's the, hey, I have somebody I can call. My wife likes to say um, this model is like having a doctor in the family um, where, uh, you know, if she's having a problem, she doesn't necessarily call up and see when she can get an appointment. She just, uh, she just talks to me. A lot of people don't necessarily have a doctor in the family, um, right. and and this is a this is a good way of having that access. If that lady sitting at the front desk um, didn't tell the other lady to to maybe listen to what you were saying, uh, who knows? You may have been sent over to the emergency department, sitting there waiting for a COVID test instead of somebody taking care of your your really emergent severe blood clot. Right, right. That's true. Yeah, I was lucky to have that that other person sitting right there. That's for sure. Uh, the result was the same. I was sent to the emergency room, but, and then the emergency room there said, because of the position and the size of the embolism, the, the blood clot, they sent me to a bigger hospital and that was a little ride. And then they put in that, like I said, they put in that, um, that little umbrella filter. And, and so if you guys don't know what that is, so they, they put, at least in my case, they went in through my jugular and it was probably about a three millimeter piece of size of a hole. They stuck in my neck to my jugular and then they went down probably two and a half to three feet into my body with this little camera thing, tube thing, where they are about to dump off this little umbrella. 
And from what I could understand from sitting, laying there on the table, because I'm not put out, I'm laying there on the table. The scissors didn't even work to cut the face hole out of my drape. They just kind of ripped it out with their hands. And I can hear them speaking. And I'm laying there. My, You can hear my heart beep in the background. Beep, 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 beep. And they're talking about this thing they're about to stick in my body through the tube they've already stuck in my body. So I already have the hole in. I'm already there. They got the tube down to where they want to release it. And they're saying, I hear this doesn't look right. And this went on. They were discussing, well, maybe you do this. Maybe you do that. Maybe you do this for about a minute till finally one of them says, maybe we should use this other one just to be safe. (laughs) I'm sitting there. Yeah, that's probably my boat. I didn't say anything, but in my head, yeah, let's be safe here. And as they're talking, my heart rate was going beep, beep, beep. It would go up and down because of my anxiety of what I'm hearing. And then they stick it in there. Okay, that's about right. And they release it. Oops, it slipped. Uh, but that'll be good enough. <laughs> there, there are some general words that we try to avoid in medicine. Oops is generally one of those. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, I'm 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 a little concerned, you know, not too terribly concerned because I am in a decent hospital, but I'm a little concerned. But of course, in my head, I'm thinking, man, I have some stories to tell now. This is going to be good. <laughs> but anyway, that's my adventures for the weekend. And as you can hear, I'm still a little bit out of breath because even when I'm talking, telling my stories and I get talking too fast, I don't take time to breathe. <laughs> But anyway, that was our my fun adventure. Okay, so back to you. Let's talk about some of the things on the business side of things that you've experienced. When it comes to failures, you know, life business is not just an upward continuous up uphill climb. We have our ups and downs. And if we are able to learn from the failures or the mistakes that we make, we can maybe avoid those mistakes in the future. What is one of your failures where you've learned the most? Well, you know, Bart, the, the good news is I haven't had, had any major um, any major specific business failures, um, but there have been things that I've that I've uh, tried and that have been unsuccessful. Uh, so, for example, when I was um, first starting my chiropractic practice, and uh, and I was looking for different ways to advertise. Um, and uh, the guy from the Yellow Pages comes by and says, "Hey, um, you know, uh, you need a you need a yellow ye- Yellow Pages advertisement." Now, clearly, this was back when people had regular phones and <laughs> Yellow Pages. Um, uh, and uh, um, but um, I said, "Okay, you know, when uh, it was it was a very expensive way of of advertising. It was a pretty expensive advertisement." And and I thought overall the ad looked great, but um, but I never got a call uh, from somebody who looked in the yellow pages. And I know that that would be uh, probably a lot less um, common now to to even you know to I, I don't even know if they mail out yellow pages anymore. Um, but there have been some uh, marketing type of things that uh, that I have found to be less effective 
then really the the best way that I found of marketing is word of mouth. You know, you treat people well and they tell somebody. And uh, and if those people don't need you, they may tell somebody else. And uh, and so word of mouth, it seems to have been the most most effective type of marketing that, that I've tried. Now, one other thing that I can think of is uh, is that um, some friends of mine had hired a um, a business and tax consultant, and uh, and they bragged about this individual um, for years of of how he can save money on taxes uh, for professionals and um, you know just give you general financial advice that uh, that would would really save you a lot. And uh, this particular uh, individual, he he told my wife and I. Uh, you've got to go out and buy a vehicle. You've got to buy a vehicle. It's got to be greater than six thousand pounds. You know, he read me the the tax things and so forth. But it, and he told me over and over that it was safe, that I should do it right now and so forth. And we weren't about ready to buy something that we didn't need. We were in we were going to be in the market for a a, a newer vehicle. Um, but uh, but because of his advice, we we did it. Um, unfortunately, at the end of the year, when we met with a CPA. He said, "This doesn't apply. This doesn't apply to you and to the, you know, the type of business and practice that you have." And uh, and of course, you know, we bought you know moderately priced vehicles, so we didn't go all out. But um, but but that was quite a loss for for not fully vetting and doing my homework on that advice. Yeah, there's something to be said for doing your own homework, and but <laughs> you know, there's. <laughs> I have a story about an accountant that I had hired as well, and he was doing my payroll and he was late or didn't put in my 940, 941s. And I got a letter from the IRS and I would always take him the letter and he'd say, oh, they just don't understand what I'm doing. They just don't understand what I'm doing. And then uh, the 2008 crisis hit and he was out of business. He divorced, he disappeared. And I'm stuck with this IRS letter and I called the IRS and they told me, uh, you don't know what a 940, 941 is. I was like, no, well, you're not a very good businessman then. Wow. I'm like, well, I pay an accountant to take care of me. And just like you put your, I, did you, did you pay the guy for his advice as well? We had, uh, we had paid him kind of on a monthly basis. He had like a retainer fee and, um, and uh, as soon as we were sitting there with with the accountant, um, and he told me this, um, that I, I canceled that payment right away. Um, <laughs> now he he went on. He he said, "Well, I know how to fix this. I, you know, I guess I gave you the wrong advice, but I know how to fix this." And and then he started giving me some some things that I felt were not not ethical, not straightforward. And and I said, "Nope, we're we're done. And uh, <laughs> and I don't need your services anymore." So. <laughs> All right. So let's flip this on the other end. What about your greatest success? And what did you learn from that? Because I believe if we can learn from our successes, maybe we can create more successes. Absolutely. Well, thinking back, I think one of my greatest successes, I had a, a, had a patient who I had been seen for a long, who I'd seen for a long time. And, uh, and she would always have fairly vague, but sometimes quite severe uh, symptoms. And uh, we, we tried to work her up. We did lots, lots of different tests and things like that that would try to point us towards what were causing her problems. And, uh, and we just could never figure it out. And, um, 
she came into me one time and she said, um, you know, I have a feeling that there's some something genetic related to this. And uh, and she said, do you think that could be? Should I pursue this? And and I told her, you know, we've been working on this for a long time. We haven't been able to figure out what the problem is and maybe we'll never be able to figure it out. But um, but I said, I don't think we should give up. Now, unfortunately, uh, the insurance companies weren't going to help her with this, with her search. They weren't going to pay for genetic tests. And and if they if they would, if we did order them, it would have cost her thousands and thousands of dollars. And uh, and so uh, we investigated different ways. And uh, the patient actually came to me one day and she says, I think I I think I know the answer. And uh, and the answer was that she would sign up with one of these, um, you know, genetic uh, uh, companies that does ancestry and so forth. And uh, they were offering a product that that did some health, you know, health genetic uh, testing. And I told her, you know, we don't know the accuracy of these tests, you know, these tests can't be validated, and so forth. One of my, the, the thing that I view as a success is, is I took the time to listen to her. Um, I could have told her, I'm sorry, you know, current day modern medicine, we can't figure this out. Um, we've, we've gone down different avenues, and I'm sorry, that's, that's the end of it. But I listened to her, and uh, we worked together to try to figure things out. Her, um, I think it was a couple of months later, her, her mailed-in DNA test came back, showing that she actually had three different rare genetic disorders. Wow. And uh, we, we still didn't know what to do with those because, in general, medicine has, has been somewhat leery of, of these kind of tests, um, whether it's protectionism or whether it's, you know, these tests aren't as accepted as, as the, the real medical tests. I'm not sure. But uh, she had these three abnormalities, these genetic disorders, and we were able to work with her to find out the significance of these for her and find out the very specific markers that she had and, um, and, and a path to go down to, to help address these. She wasn't out of the woods. These are genetic disorders. Some of these may be, may cause her significant problems with, with blood clots, uh, just, just as a happenstance, <laughs> but, um, in the future, but, uh, she now knows why she was having these problems all her life or at least for for a long period of time and that gave her comfort and she was also able to counsel her her family members her daughters about hey this genetic disorder runs in the family and maybe you should get checked and it turned out that one of her daughters had a similar genetic picture as she did she's she was just a great woman and uh, and she was patient with me and uh, and and I listened to her and I view that as one of my big uh, successes as a physician that's awesome luckily for me i know my my uh, blood clotting is not a genetic disease <laughs> mine is caused by a bad ankle so i have a bone on bone ankle that doesn't give me the up and down movement so my calf muscle doesn't pump that blood for me and so I just need to concentrate more and, and, you know, do some special exercises to get that pumping a little bit better. But the reason I have that bum ankle is because I did not listen to my wife. Uh, back in 2012, I was going to a personal development event up in the mountains in Canada. And my wife saw that I was going, saw where I was going, and she she's into feng shui. And she said, Bart, you can't go. That's a bad direction. I'm like, ah, oh, honey, I can't live my life on your feng shui. 
she comes back at me and she says, no, no, this is a, when I, this is a really, really bad direction. It could affect you for the rest of your life. Obviously I did not listen. And the last day of the, the event there, I was, I was on a ropes course and the person belaying me did not, wasn't ready for my weight or wasn't prepared at all. I don't know. And I got dropped from about 25 feet in the air on that ankle and they didn't have any, um, ice there. All they had was the packs that you pop and put on there, which just don't last. By later that afternoon, I was limping really hard. By the night, I needed to go to the bathroom and I tried to get up and go out of my tent and I couldn't walk. So I had to crawl out on my hands and knees to go to the bathroom. And then I had two bus rides and a plane ride home and I didn't get ice on it till I got to the Seattle airport. By the time I got back to Utah, it was I was swollen clear to my knee. I was running a 102-degree fever, and the x-rays looked normal. But after I started, you know, years later when I was doing more active stuff, that ankle just, I don't know, just everything inside it ate away, and it's bone on bone, and it hurts pretty good now all the time. So the, the moral of the story, listen to your wife. This is her big I told you so, Bart. This is... I know it's a good thing she's Japanese, so she doesn't really know that term, I told you so, and I did not teach it to her. (laughs) But I tell you, you think I would get a little sympathy when I'm calling her from the hospital or telling her I'm in the hospital and telling her why? But you know what she said? She said, I tell you all the time to get up every 30 minutes and walk around your desk so you don't have these problems. (laughs) So now I'm kind of getting I told you so in a different format. Yes. Yeah. All right. So, oh, and then I had another friend of mine. She got her diagnosis of alpha one deficiency. Alpha one antitrypsin deficiency. Yep. That one. She got that from one of those ancestry DNA tests as well. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's pretty amazing. Some of the stuff they can find there with those different tests. Absolutely. Absolutely. They changed her life. Yeah. And she, she was actually encouraged. So she was adopted and she was encouraged to go find her, her family because they maybe have the same gene as well. So that for those who don't know, that's Julie McNeil. And she was on my podcast. I don't remember which number it was, but if you want to go hear her story about how she, you know, had to find her family, go find that podcast, Julie McNeil. It's one of the earlier ones. All right, so let's get into motivation. Do you read, obviously, if you're a doctor, you probably read a lot of books. Maybe not the, I don't know what type of books. So we can talk about books, podcasts, or a mentor or something. Where did you get your your motivation, your gumption? Where do you find your, yeah, that stuff? Well, you know, it. Uh, um, a number of, uh, number of years ago, probably when I was in residency, at Oregon Health and Sciences University, I um, I stumbled across some information on a on a type of medicine called concierge medicine, and uh, and I read about it, and it talked about this personal nature of healthcare, and um, uh, and returning back to to how medicine was supposed to be, and so forth. But the reason they called it concierge medicine is it was specifically tailored for uh, for people who were rich, people who can afford ten thousand dollars a year to to buy their own doctor um, or to hire their own doctor, I guess. And um, 
and that's that's not why I went back to medical school is to is to serve the especially rich people. Now I'm fine serving rich people, but but I also want to be affordable for people who don't necessarily have that kind of money. And so I I took that thought and uh, researched it a little bit and uh, found that at the time there wasn't a, there wasn't a, an affordable option uh, to practice in concierge medicine. And so I set that on the back burner. Um, but over the years, I've, I've researched it more. I've looked into it further and, uh, and really tried to um, hypothesize as to how that kind of model of medicine could, can return back for patients. And so, uh, so I've, uh, I've done a lot of reading. Now, in, in medicine, most of my reading is in medical journals and, and <laughs> like that. In terms of, uh, of other reading and things, my son has got me beat on that. He seems like he reads a book a night. He's he's an amazing kid, but really I I would talk to a number of different doctors about different models of healthcare. You talk a lot about your mindset, Bart, and my mindset was never never really akin to the traditional insurance model of of medicine. You know, I I, I was successful in it. Um, I uh, I I did a really good job uh, given the resources and the model that I was in. But uh, that was never a model that I was terribly comfortable uh, in. You know, for example, in the regular medical model, a, a, a mom may call in, um, uh, you know, a mom that has several kids at home that you can hear, you know, screaming in the background and, um, and tell me that she feels as though she has a urinary tract infection and that she's had several of these in the past and she knows what they feel like. And um, she's having this symptom and that symptom that, that correlate well to a urinary tract infection. Um, but in the traditional model of uh, medical care, I'd have to say, okay, well, come on down. And she may tell me, well, I have a lot of kids and everything like that. And I don't have a, a place for my kids to anybody to watch my kids. Well, I'm sorry, you know, you have to come on down um, because uh, the insurance company is only going to pay for our visit if I have you in the office. And they're only going to pay for your labs if I have you in the office. And um, unfortunately, that means that you have to drag all your kids down here and that it's going to be a circus for a little while. But this is this is what the normal insurance model would say. Now it's a lot different. She can call in and and I'll have known her because, you know, she's a, she's a member of our practice and I've gotten to know her and her medical problems and her allergies and her history. And, uh, and if appropriate, I may be able to just say, you know, Let's go ahead and uh, try these treatments and uh, and see if that helps you. And if it doesn't, then come on in. And the other nice thing is, is when I tell her to come on in, it doesn't mean that it costs any more. So if I have to see somebody several times for something, um, it doesn't cost them any more than what they've already paid. Um, and uh, and so that's that's how my mindset kind of fit into this is once I located the type of practice that I had always been researching and thinking about and dreaming about and so forth, I was there in an instant. And, uh, and uh, so that's, that's been the exciting part. So I've talked to a lot of mentors and, you know, uh, watched uh, a lot of people on YouTube now that YouTube has become more successful. And, um, and I, I think that way, these, these kind of new ideas can spread and other people can pick them up and, um, and, and make them theirs and be successful at those things. Right, right. Absolutely. So you talk about uh, how this is different and how it's kind of a, it's a, it's a subscription model. 
So I don't know if you want to get into pricing or not. Would you prefer not to? Well, you know, our price our prices are um, are listed on our white website at voyagedpc.com. We uh, we pride ourselves in having affordable affordable fees, um, and uh, we also have discounts for families with kids um, because, uh, from what I've heard, uh, people around here tend to have. Uh, <laughs> And uh, so, uh, so we make it affordable um, for families to have their kids part of our practice as well, um, because it's nice to have a doctor that you know instead of just going and seeing somebody random when you go in for your your visits, um, somebody that you know that they feel comfortable with, and, and those kind of things. Um, and so, there's somewhat of a tiered model in terms of of, uh, of adults, uh, children, and so forth. Um, and so, while you know, I wouldn't say that. Uh, you know, it's definitely more than you're paying if you're already paying for your your low deductible health insurance plan. Um, but you had a guest back, I think, a couple a couple a uh, couple people ago who talked about looking for the real value in what you buy and what and what you put your money into instead of just at the price. So uh, so yeah, it's all on the website, and I invite anybody who's interested to go on there and and uh, it's tiered by age and if you live with your parents or not. Um, and so forth. And, uh, um, and it's very transparent and, and they'll know what they're getting. So. Awesome. All right. So let's kind of wrap things up here with a final question. And that deals with people who are just getting started. They may have an idea that's maybe out of the box, like what it is that you guys are doing with your practice. They may, they have fear, they have maybe funding issues, what would be your best advice to them to help them take that first step? Sure. What I tell people is that anything good is worth the battle. Very few things come super easy. I try to tell my kids, people aren't born to be a great basketball player or a track star, but they practice at it. They shoot baskets after baskets after baskets. They throw pitches after pitches after pitches. I played college baseball, and so I use baseball as an example for them a lot. I wasn't born being able to do that necessarily, but I practiced, and my dad encouraged me to practice, and I continued to practice. And so for entrepreneurs or people who are trying to start something up, just know that things are going to be difficult. Um, you may have a struggle at the beginning. You may... Um, you may feel like you're back in school or back in college where you're eating ramen and, and struggling. <laughs> but if you truly have a passion for this and, uh, and you help other people understand why they need whatever you're doing, then eventually you can, you can be successful at anything. How was that for you to go back to school? And, and we're, not, we're talking med school, not just school. Yeah, it, uh, it was a big decision. We had... We had bought our first home. We had, uh, um, you know, we, we had student loans, and uh, and I had already started a practice, and so it was a it was a big choice um, to to basically leave all that, um, you know, try to rent or sell the the small home that we had bought, um, because we definitely couldn't afford to just sit on you know sit on everything and just let it sit there. Right. Um, and uh, um, so it was a big choice, but uh, but we both spent a lot of time thinking and praying about it, and uh, we know that that's what we should do. I, I think it comes down to your why, why you're doing this, and uh, and the reason that I wanted to do it is so I can help those people who needed help. And um, and so I think in 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 the businesses of people who are listening to this podcast, if 
your why is to truly help people and to make things better for people, then, um, then I think that will win over everything else. Awesome. I appreciate you coming on today. Are you guys on social media at all? Yes, uh, we have a, um, we have a YouTube channel, uh, Voyage DPC, and we're on uh, we're on Facebook, and I think a little bit on Instagram. Although we're still trying to figure that one out, um, <laughs> but, uh, but you can look us up at uh, voyagedpc.com, and uh, that that's a good way to get onto our YouTube channel and and, and so forth. We're trying to do a, a somewhat of a, a new YouTube channel where both uh, both of the doctors in this in our practice um, kind of give uh, give give our opinions on medical treatments and um, different stretches and different kinds of pain and things like that. And uh, so we hope that will be really useful to our members and to uh, non-members alike. Great. And, you know, I'll put that in the show notes for everybody. Okay. And thanks for joining us today and giving us your time. I sure appreciate it. And it was fun to, to talk about this new model that you guys are putting out there for people. Yeah. Thank you very much, Bart, for having me. All right. And for everybody else out there, until next time, go monetize it. Thanks for listening to the Monetize Your Mindset podcast. Podcast. To identify your ideal side hustle, go to youridealsidehustle.com. Here, take a deep dive into what you like to do, what you need to do, what you're already doing, and then ask, how can I monetize it? Come on back next week for more on how to create financial security so you can deal with whatever happens when whatever happens happens. Because it will happen.